Coming up on this episode of East Screen West Screen, I'll talk about the attack of the film festivals, some female films leading the Chinese box office. Paul and I will also talk about the latest film from Ringo Lam, Wow City. This is East Screen West Screen with Paul and Kevin, where if films were food, they'd be full of it. Welcome to another episode of East Screen, West Screen. This is the show where we talk about films from Hong Kong to Hollywood and lots of stuff in between. I'm your host, Paul Fox, and joining me once again from his news desk here in the wild, wild east is Mr. Kevin Ma. Hello, everybody. Hey there, Paul. Um, how's it going? I mean, uh, that was that was quite a, quite a gathering we had this past weekend, huh? Yes, we did. We uh, got together to talk film with... Uh, some folks from the lovehkfilm.com site, and I guess there will be some results posted in uh, a couple weeks, maybe. Maybe before then. I'm, I'm not sure what the release schedule for that's going to be. Um, but I guess it'll be fairly fairly soon, around the time maybe this episode gets out, or uh, maybe even a little bit before if I don't get to edit it properly. But that, that was a pretty good discussion. I mean, forget the quality of the films that we had to deal with but i i think we had a pretty good discussion of uh things there right yeah it, it it's a good discussion it'll be interesting to hear from some folks once they see uh the listing so uh for those who may not be in the know we were we were talking about the uh annual love hk film awards that's looking at all the films from 2014 and it's a little bit late in the year due to busy schedules that we're finally getting this hashed out and released but uh, the, I think the interesting thing for me was the number of films that were of a really high quality that were being bounced around in the discussion that were very difficult to actually get out and see. Um, a couple of the films in particular, uh, they don't have, uh, they didn't have solid release windows and they don't, uh, they're lacking availability um, for people to get out and, and get a hold of. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I've kind of started once we start looking at films for 2014. I kind of now have this policy in my head that just try and catch everything in the cinema now because just just trying to wait for video or waiting for on demand is it's very difficult and very unpredictable actually. So it's kind of forcing me to be a little more, be a little less lazy and really try and get to get into the cinema and watch as much as I can. For example, we have four films coming up this weekend, right? We have um, The Assassin, the Ho Shao Shan film, which does not count for the awards, but we also have Undercover Duet, a Hong Kong uh, comedy, uh, the Chinese movie Hollywood Adventures, and Carrie Ng's the horror film um, uh, Not Not Who's There. Now, these three films all count for the awards, and usually I would just kind of wait for, for a lot of them to come on video because some of them can be hard to get, for, uh, especially Hollywood Adventures and, and Not Knock Who's There. But at least I'm, I think I decided that I'm going to make the effort to at least go watch Hollywood Adventures and um, Undercover Duet just because, I mean, 
forget horror films. I mean, I have a thing against. I don't like horror films, but the other two, I'm really gonna have to try and really try and catch those show times because I know if I don't watch it, I'll even have a tougher time trying to watch them on video later on. Yeah, I I do try and tend to prioritize a little bit, so my priorities I think are gonna definitely be for Knock Knock Who's There and Undercover Duet, with those being a little bit more Hong Kong centric. And if I can get out to see uh, Holly, is it Hollywood Adventures or Adventures in Hollywood? Um, then uh, that, that'll probably be down a little bit lower on my priority list. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, sometimes we get these weeks where we just get suddenly slammed. I'm guessing because we're, we've kind of moved out of the uh, Hollywood invasion summer blockbuster schedule. And so now some things are, have some free windows to open up. So we're starting to get a lot more in terms of local and, and China films, right? Um, you could say that, yeah. Um, Hollywood isn't such a threat anymore, and I guess these di- distributors they want to get the movies out on demand and on video or in whatever format they release this, the the other formats. So, but of course, before they do that, they have to put it out in cinemas for however short a time it may be. So, yeah, this is kind of the um, it's not really a dog days, just like in America. Instead, it's really kind of for us Asian film fans. We're really getting. Um, Huge releases. I mean, in addition to uh, um, these four Chinese films, we also have um, Assassination, the the huge Korean blockbuster hero, the the Japanese uh, drama adaptation, the really big. Actually, there was one. This is the film I'm looking forward to the second most after Assassin, uh, because I'm a big fan of Hero, the TV series. Um, stars Kimura Takuya. Uh, and the next weekend, we have Patrick Kong, the uh, love detective, and. Um, Assassin- Assassination Classroom, the uh, Japanese film, and Mabel Chun's Tale of Three Cities, and then it's so on and so forth. The 10th, we have uh, Lady of the Dynasty and the Richie Ren's directorial debut um, with Shuchi, and it just the list just goes on and on. It's going to be quite a busy month for us coming up. Yeah, and it's, it's uh, definitely getting harder and harder for me to get out and see everything. Um, you know, I... I I think that uh, it's a younger man's game, <laughs> to be sure. Well, then, then in that case, I, I better get out, too. <laughs> well, and speaking of age, uh, kind of a small little announcement. I guess before we get to that, though, um, with regard to the Hong Kong Film Awards, um, I think we'll talk a little bit more about that in detail once the awards list is up. So uh, keep your eyes and ears peeled over at uh, Love HK film.com or over on the Facebook group and uh, I'm sure that once that's all ready Kozo will be uh, posting up the announcements you can go and you can look and see uh, what the respective jury members uh, picked for this year's I think um, I'm very partial to a couple of the gag awards this year in particular (laughs) Uh, but we'll talk about all of that uh, when those get posted on our uh, maybe on our next episode or our next next episode uh, but in the interim, another minor point to sort of bring up, uh, between our last episode, 170, and this episode, we've actually passed our own little anniversary. Uh, six years, as of August 20th, uh, 2015, we started back on first episode on August 20th, uh, uh, 2009, I guess wow. it is. And so even though we did have about a year and a half of a hiatus for, uh, as we kind of Reworked our schedules, and I became a dad and tried to figure out what that is like, and I'm still trying to figure out what that's like. 
Yeah. Um, but we kind of worked our way back to this. So yeah, it seems like eh, not that long ago, but it's actually been six years when we actually sat down and did this for the first time. So and that was the, I, I was still a young man at that time. I was in my twenties. You're, you're still a baby. Come on, baby. you're still a baby. Nah. Uh, so yes, it's if you've been with us that whole time, we do thank you for your listenership. And if you're just joining us, you know, uh, go back and dig through the archives and see how immature we sounded back, especially on that very first episode. It's really hard to listen to today. Shit, last week's episode was really hard to listen to, Paul. That's true. They get worse I, as as we progressively go, right? Yeah, yeah I, I don't even, yeah, I just, Jesus, I never listen to you. Well, I rarely, I rarely listen to the old episodes, but every, yeah, every episode is difficult for me to listen to. All right, well, there you have it, folks. Uh, go back, you have, you have, uh, yeah, I, I guess uh, 170 now, 171 episodes to go and and see our progression downwards, uh, as it were. Or lack thereof, I yeah. guess. Arrested development, really epitome of it. Yes, indeed. Uh, another the short anniversary we'll throw out. I uh, won't give any specific dates or years, but uh, Mr. Ma <laughs> is uh, passing the annual rotation around the sun. So we wish him all the best. And uh, as he progresses for one year more on this place we call planet Earth. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. And with that, I'm going to throw it back over to him at the news desk. Here at the news desk, I mean, not actually not too much specific news to talk about, but I think I want to kind of highlight um, uh, some certain, th- uh, you know, certain things that are happening recently. Um, lots, for example, uh, in Hong Kong, uh, here we have a lot of sort of the film festival season is sort of coming back. Um, we, I just finished the, the Summer National Film Festival. I watched, uh, actually, I watched more older films than new films. Um, I watched uh, a Bollywood film named Piku um, and a couple of the old black and white Hollywood comedies. Um, quite a few very, very enjoyable ones. I, I love those films. But um, as I was looking at desk, buying tickets for that, I realized there's a lot of these little small little film festivals coming here in Hong Kong uh, in September and October. For example, um, after I'm done with this, then then this weekend I I'm going to the Singapore Film Festival um, at the the Metroplex Cinema. Uh, just two days, I think this weekend, just showing a few Singaporean films uh, from various years, actually, um, not just recent years. I was hoping to get out to that. There's one film in particular that I've really been wanting to see for a while that they're actually playing during the festival oh which one's called, that called uh, Singapore Calling and I don't know if I'm gonna have the time I it might even already be sold out uh, but I saw it was playing in the festival and I made a mental note that to, if possible I'd like to get out and see it but um, unfortunately I think I have to work this weekend so I don't know if it's gonna be entirely possible but yeah that's a bit of an older film but it's one that I've uh, been wanting to see for a while Oh, I should check the uh, the the release date on that. Um, um, yeah, other, I'm actually watching two films on Sunday. I'm gonna watch the documentary uh, "Invisible Invisible City" and um, um, "Unlucky Plaza," which was the opening film of last year's um, Singapore Film Festival. Um, then. Then we have the same cinema at the Metroplex Cinema, also the Sundance Film Festival, the Hong Kong version of the Sundance Film Festival. Um, a mix of uh, 
films that already have um, distribution here in Hong Kong and as some of the more pop uh, bigger titles, for example, you have Dope, which already came out in the, a few of these already came out in cinemas in, in America. So these may sound familiar to you. Um, the Audience Award winner, Me and Earl and Dying Girl and uh, Songs My Brothers Taught Me that this is pretty well known uh, Sundance title. And then. There's also the Independa Film Festival, which is a small, small, small indie film festival showing. Uh, it's going to show Singapore uh, sex comedy rubbers, a uh, few short animation programs, a uh, few short films. And then next month, you have the, um, the HK Cinefan, which is the Hong Kong International Film Festival's retrospective program. We'll have a couple weeks of Ho Xiao Shen films. Um, and then comes the, the Hong Kong Asian Film Festival uh, in late October. So, and then, of course, abroad, we're looking at uh, Venice starting later this week. You have the Montreal World Film Festival playing a few um, premiere titles from Korea and, and China and Japan. And then um, after they have Toronto, which has a couple of premieres of uh, films like you know Johnny Toe's Office and... Um, um, uh, a couple of Korean films, a couple of big Chinese titles like The Assassin and, and Zhao Yangke's Mountains May Depart. And then Busan just announced their um, lineup today. Um, not Nothing big in terms of Hong Kong, uh, some big China films. Um, you can look at them up. I mean, nothing that, that's worth talking about here, at least, I think. Um, yeah, it just goes on and on. So it's kind of after summer off, after taking the summer off, it's kind of really. If you're somewhere in the world, um, especially you know, there's there's likely a film festival for you in these couple of months. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And if not, you always have Netflix. No, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, go don't you know, don't complain about not being able to catch this and that. Just do some research. New York at the New York Film Festival, uh, Venice to Venice Film Festival, Toronto, uh, Montreal. Uh, Busan, uh, Tokyo in October, um, uh, Singapore in, in late November, um, um, Vancouver I think is in the fall as well. So yeah, just 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 go out there and you know and and, and, and search out for for films. Search out for something you don't usually see in the cinema. So uh, yeah, just a heads up. Yeah, and hopefully one of these years the uh, Love HK Film Film Festival. Right. Yeah, well, what are we going to watch? I mean, like, it, are, are, are we going to sit around and watch Virtual Recall again or something? Yeah, Virtual and Recall, I, Switch, Passion Island, just just a listing of some of the, the best films for the Dynasty. We'll just rent out the Dynasty for, like, two nights. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I, I, I think I'm going to skip. Yeah, it's all stuff you can do at home anyway. All right, uh, let's move on. <laughs> Because the more we talk about, it, the more the more I think Paul's gonna get into it and and start picking like our worst films of 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 each year's eight, uh, Hong Kong Love Hong Kong Film Award, and let's let's not torture ourselves. So um, anyway, moving on. A um, couple of uh, uh, female-led uh, films have been topping the Chinese box office. Um, I suppose uh, usually you see. You know, romances or I mean, Hollywood blockbusters are usually led by you know male superhero or male actors. Um, even Asian films, you know, male actors. Um, even this week's film, uh, Wow City, you know, very macho film. But these couple of weeks, you see uh, these uh, uh, woman-led uh, films kind of topping the China box office. I mean, I'm not saying it's anonymity or anything, but it's just kind of something 
that's happening these couple of weeks. For example, you have um, Go Away, Mr. Tumor, which stars Bye Bye Her um, as a as a cartoonist who um, who who who's diagnosed with cancer and kind of um, uses her sense of humor and her talent uh, to to face the the her diagnosis with like a bright attitude. Um, it's actually an autobiographical film by a real life cartoonist who, um, which you know, if you notice, it, it might be a spoiler, but she she did pass away in uh, 2012. So you kind of know where that film is going. Um, anyway, the film co-stars Daniel Wu as uh, as her doctor, and the film has been a pretty huge hit in China, making 500 million RMB um, already. Um, and and despite you know Terminator and 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 the other new films coming up, it's, it's sort of held up quite well uh, the past week. And also, um, this past weekend, uh, you had Bride Wars, which is the remake of the Hollywood comedy starring Anne Hathaway and Kate Hudson. Um, the China version, the China remake, which is co-produced by Fox, um, at least the greater China production side. So it is co-produced by Fox, who own the rights. Um, um, stars Nini, who you, we may remember from Flowers of War, and uh, Angela Baby, uh, our favorite single single letter or single word name actress in China, I think. Um, they are stepping into the roles of the original film. Um, that did very well on the chi- uh, China's Valentine's Day last Thursday, um, even though it sort of didn't do as well over the weekend. But at least it's, it's kind of uh, it was the top film last Thursday for the Chinese Valentine's Day. So kind of interesting look at how women are topping uh, the Chinese box office and how the female audience kind of drive, it really helps drive the box office these days at least, at least in terms of uh, local local films mm. There are women, hear them roar uh, but this, is, this has kind of been a trend right, I mean you've got um, a pretty strong showing for uh, things like uh, what was Tiny this? Times like Sophie's Revenge, Tiny Times uh, you know, Go La La Go these sort of Stories that focus on the successful middle class and upper middle class women uh, tend to tend to do pretty well, I think. Although um, the uh, with Bride Wars, I mean, I'm instantly kind of thinking back to uh, the Andy Lau Gong Li movie, um, What Women Want, right? Well, uh, Bri- Bride Wars is about two women who are trying to fight for the same. Uh, chapel or something like that. Well, no, um, right, so, I understand so it, but it's, right. it's it's the idea of taking uh, a movie from Hollywood and and you know um, sort of signifying it, I guess. You know, oh, the we, remake, the remake yeah, trend, the, yeah, the yeah, yeah. Because we, we talk about sort of the reverse of that. The, the what what do they call it? The whitewashing of like Asian films when Hollywood takes something like The Ring or Infernal Affairs and you know gets rid of all the Asianness and and recasts it, and so. Um, you get the occasional film now in, in China where they, um, you know, sort of do a carbon copy. And, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward. I haven't seen the original Bride Wars, but, you know, you mentioned Angela Baby. I'd be very curious to see this film. Do you think we're going to get them, um, that and Mr. Toomer in Hong Kong, or are we going to have to look for this on video? With China, is is very difficult to tell with Chinese films and, chi- and Hong Kong audiences because distributors are very wary about, trying you know spending money to release do all the whole release schedule here in hong kong if the film isn't going to do well and these china films i think 
there isn't really a, a turn coming where uh, China films will be equally successful here in Hong Kong. I think you get a few, a few films a year there that happen to be, you know, hits here in Hong Kong. But most Chinese films released here really don't get any attention. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and I think that um, neither Going Mr. Tumor nor Bride Wars will change those trends. Um, there is really no rhyme or reason as to what becomes a hit. For example, um, Finding Mr. Perfect was comparatively it was a hit uh, for a Chinese language film here in Hong Kong. Um, um, but then you know you have films like uh, Wolf Warrior, which no one no one saw, um, uh, or Lost in Thailand, which made you no know, nearly no money here. So it's really kind of hard to tell whether whether Chinese films will. So Wolf Wolf Warrior, um, just to clarify, was the Wu Jing action film not to be confused with um wolf totem right yeah wolf Totem also didn't do well here actually yeah. uh and, and and monster hunt only did well because of this constant bombardment by by the cinema chain that released the film and and their 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 really insistence on keeping it in cinemas um it sort of just finally limp past 10 million um but but I would say compared to its performance in in China, where you know it broke records and box office records and all that stuff, um, I wouldn't say that it's a huge success here in Hong Kong. But it did pass ten million mark, um, so I guess that counts as a quote unquote success of a that's already considered quite really good for a Chinese for a mainland Chinese film mm-hmm. here in Hong Kong. So yeah, there. It's hard to tell whether we'll get these films. Uh, maybe someday we'll get these on on video or, or small release in theaters, but I can't really guarantee it. Yeah, I think that may be a discussion we can have a bit further uh, down the line on a later episode, where we kind of look at what it is that the local audience really wants. You know, they don't seem to want a lot of local films. They don't want mainland China films. You know, so where 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 does their taste lie? I'll, it'll be interesting because you mentioned we're getting this week the release of the Korean film Assassination. Okay, not to be confused with the Ho Hao Shen film, right? And which stars Jiana Jun, and uh, I know that that's a film. Lee Jong Jae, Ha Jun Woo. I'm looking forward to just because you know it's it's a starring vehicle for her. It, I'm wondering is the you know is she still going to be a big draw, especially after her success with the uh, the, the TV drama, what was it, a year or so? My ago? Love from the Star. Yeah. I'm wondering if that's going to, if, if if the Korean wave is still in effect, if people are going to flock out to see that or not. So it'll be interesting. That's something we can kind of shelve for a future episode, I think. I could, but I could, I could just briefly say that in Hong Kong, a lot of so-called trends don't necessarily mean big box office dollars because um, like My Love from the Stars, many people got to watch it for free and that's, already says that means they, they like Gianna June, they like to see Gianna June, but doesn't mean they're willing to spend money to watch Gianna June in a cinema. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's, um, you know, so, so Hong Kong is a very I, weird way of building these trends or how they, how they create trends. But anyway, that's later episode. Yeah. yeah. All right, that's going to wrap things up for our news this week. We'll take a short musical break and we'll be back to talk about Wild City.
And we're back. Our film this week, Wild City, the latest from director Ringo Lam. A uh, big fan favorite for Hong Kong cinema fans, director of things like um, the Aces Go Places 4, uh, Happy Ghost 3, the Fire, Siri, Pr- Fire Series, Prison on Fire, City on Fire, School on Fire, uh, Wild Search, um, getting into some of his later filmography, things like Fil- uh, Full Alert, Victim, Looking for Mr. Perfect, uh, one of a, more of a favorite of mine. I know not uh, many people like that one. Uh, and uh, more recently, back in 2007, the film Triangle. So he's one back third in, of it specifically. Yeah, one, one third of it. So he's back this week uh, with Wild City. So to break this down, this is the story of two half brothers who get mixed up with a damsel on the run from a corrupt conclu- collusion between her lawyer boyfriend, played by Michael Tsai, a, t- ty- a casino tycoon, a local triad boss, played by Sam Lee, and a gang of hitmen from Taiwan. Louis Koo plays T-Man, uh, an ex-cop whose code still motivates his actions, but his half-brother Chung, played by Sean Yu, he has the more volatile personality, and that kind of keeps pushing the duo into further trouble once they get entangled with a young woman named Yun, played by Tong Liya. So that's base, the basic setup. A damsel in distress, two guys kind of get hooked up and... Uh, hijinks ensue except not really hijinks i guess you just say chase after chase after chase the sort of bubblegum chewy center of this film is a morality play here about greed and the film lets us know this because it gives us sort of this narrative aspect from lewis Koo at the start of the film and then at the end of the film joseph chang uh chang sao's chun excuse me chang sao chun uh, he plays sort of the main baddie. He's, you see him on the poster. He's part of the trio. Uh, if you see the poster that's got the trio with the three faces on it, he's kind of cast as a loose cannon in, in some ways. And once certain things happen, he kind of goes off the deep end. We have other notable cameos that include uh, Yun Chu as Chong's mom. She's, they have an interesting relationship because she is T-Man's stepmom, Louis Ku's stepmom. Simon Yams here is a police commissioner. Sam Lee, as I mentioned, is a local triad boss. Also, some regulars, Philip M. Patrick Kong as cops. Uh, Jack Kokin as the gang boss. And I think the last film we saw, I saw him in, was uh, Zombie Fight Club, which uh, we had some fun talking about over the weekend. Uh, Tam Bing Man as a very brief cameo. And a couple others that I think uh, people who are familiar with local cinema will recognize. The film itself, uh, before I get into talking a little bit about the narrative, the thing that kind of struck me was the cinematography. I think it was really worth a mention. It They really make the city look vibrant. It's very well shot, very well lit. And uh, I was just very impressed at how they made the city look. Uh, aside from that, though, no real notable soundtrack to speak of, nothing that was sort of left a, vis- a very um, strong impression in my mind in terms of the music that went along with that. You don't really go into a Ringo Lamb film, though, I think, thinking about soundtrack or cinematography. So let's take a little bit of time to talk about the action. The film goes through the paces. It has the look and feel of somebody who understands action and has spent you know, a lifetime uh, working on action. But a lot of it, for me, gets a little bit repetitive. 
there are multiple chase sequences, but I didn't think any of them were really worth writing home about. In fact, I felt that the chases themselves were a little bit dull by the midpoint of the film. Um, towards the end, there's a chase and sort of a bus crash sequence that happens that's really almost entirely done in CG. And it really looks out of place, especially considering the fact that a lot of the cinematography I, I felt looked really impressive and, and shot very well. Then you've got this just very, not, not a really long sequence, but just something that looks like it was taken out of an initial D video game or something. Just kind of took me out of the movie at that moment. Um, but it really didn't take away from, I think, the overall look of the film. It was just a very, very short sequence that I guess they figured they could do easier uh, in a computer rather than having to do all the setup uh, on the street. So, but basically the sequences come across like this. Protagonists get chased by antagonists, they fight, police show up. Or antagonists get chased by protagonists, they fight, police show up. And it was kind of like a rinse, wash, repeat um, at multiple points throughout the film. And so, as a result, for me, I think that uh, the overall focus on that tended to take away from opportunities to push the narrative forward in ways that I think it would have been more interesting. So, for example, there's a point when one of the Taiwan gang members, I'm not going to say who, uh, dies. And it becomes, from that point on, a film about revenge. So up until that point, it's about, okay, we've got to get this girl because she's got something, right? And so there, it's, it's this big chase thing. But once that event happens, then it becomes about revenge, and it really never takes us into new territory. The, the downside is, too, is that since we're not going into new territory, it never goes as wild as the, the, the name or the title seems to imply, right? So um, think about predecessors like, you know, Simon Yam, for example, in uh, Billy Tang's Run and Kill. Here, there you have a character who really becomes unhinged and really goes crazy. And that film, if you think about what happens in it, it, it's got a sense of wildness to it that's much more over the top than what we get here. So here it's just a little bit watered down by you know the, the overall feel of everything. And so I get that this is not a Category 3 film, but as a result, it does just doesn't feel as fresh as I think it could be. Um, and the thing that really confused me was that the overall focus of the revenge ends up, I think, being directed at the wrong person. By the end of the film, there's a kind of a standoff with a hostage exchange style scenario that we've seen done as a plot device in many films before. And I'm just thinking to myself, well, why is, you know, why are they, they going through in this direction? I would think that if you're going to be angry at somebody, it would be a, this other character. And I don't want to give too much away to avoid too many spoilers for the film. The male leads, I think, are fine. I really like the chemistry between Louis Koo and um, Sean Yu. Uh, Sean Yu is an actor who sometimes works for me and sometimes doesn't. He worked here, and I think that his chemistry as the younger brother to Louis Koo's, Koo's more reserved and confident older brother worked very well especially when Yan Chu shows up as their mom. And I wanted to really know more about that relationship. I wanted to see the three of them on screen doing things more. Uh, 
And I think that if there would have been a little bit less focus on some of the chase and fight sequences and a little bit more focus on that, I would have been a bit happier uh, with the end result of the film. The third person in this relationship that really takes precedence, though, is Tong Li Ya. She is, as I said, the veritable damsel in distress, and she's just not, for me, a likable character. Uh, she, they try and sh kind of show her as being in a bad situation and trying to make the best of it, but her motivations throughout the film kind of really turned me off. I kept just kind of thinking, you know, uh, just ditch this girl because it's, you know, it's far more trouble. Um, and she's worth, they don't really push things into, they kind of hint at a sort of a triangle relationship between her and the two brothers, but they never really take that very, very far. And so by the end of the film, there's something that happens that I just kind of almost laughed out loud in the theater because it's one of the final shots. Um, and it's, uh, it's just an indirect shot. And there's, there's, you know, it's just maybe the way it was done i just thought it was kind of okay that's the that's like the last shot that's gonna be the highlight of this triangle relationship and i thought okay uh good <laughs> and then beyond that uh i you know i just didn't really find much attractive uh or charismatic i think about the the performance or the character a couple points that did leave me scratching my head too early on there's a there's this assassination that happens. It's in broad daylight. It's out on the street. The Taiwan gang basically uh, runs down this jogger. They're in, right, driving an SUV, and this jogger's older guy's jogging with his wife. And they just hop out and assassinate him with knives. And I think it's a scene that's supposed to set up the ruthlessness, the ruthlessness of this gang. No, no it's, uh, it's straight from the headlines, actually. It's the, the, the assassination of the, uh, at least the attempted murder of the Ming Pao editor. Um, I forgot his name, but it's exactly what happened. He was out um, on the street and uh, two guys uh, drove up to him and chopped him. Right. But um, that's, that's exactly, it's, it's, the, it's the reference to that incident. But it doesn't, it doesn't fit in with the narrative of, of what's going on with the, the casino deal. Cause so, the, so there's this big casino deal. And Michael Tse is the lawyer, is like uh, working for this big boss. And the gang is also there. I guess they're the thugs for uh, the big boss as well. But it, it, that scene, it might have been, I mean, because I remember reading that news, but it was not the same because their team is like five guys. And they didn't just chop the guy. They cut his throat. I mean, they stabbed him a few times, and he was dead. He didn't survive that. Well, it's, um, it's, it's the film version, and and they actually explained they, the version I saw. They said the the guy that they, in the film is was the newspaper editor who who posted negative stories about the the the, the casino guy or about the deal, or okay. he is definitely connected right. to to this character. Uh, right. Not the specific narrative, but yeah, he's connected. Well, maybe I'm, I, I they they must have breezed by that. I must have missed that. Uh, and it was point. obvious, and it was obviously a reference to to the way it's Ringo Lam trying to talk about Hong Kong. Essentially, yeah. it's just sort of referencing things that are happening in Hong Kong. Yeah, yeah I think that part was clear. Um, for me, I just didn't catch the reference back to the main plot of uh, the big bad and Michael Tse as the lawyer and what that guy who was basically a no-named guy uh, had to do with everything. I, for me, it was just 
that scene was used to sort of establish the ruthlessness. The, the, I can't say that word tonight. The ruthlessness of, of that gang that they just hop out and uh, assault the guy and cut his throat right there on the street. And it, it does kind of feel out of place, too, because, again, this is a, it's trying to be uh, something ripped from the headlines, as Kevin said. But we are living in an age where, uh, you know, a lot is no, nothing. You know, there are cameras on every corner. Everybody's got a, got a phone and things get recorded. And if I correct me if I'm wrong, Kevin, but the, they did arrest the guys who did that attack, right? Yes, but the Kevin Lau attack was not recorded because it was so sudden and it was like on a broad day, like on a weekday or something. So no, it's I, I, I'm not sure that the thing about the, the cell phone and CCTV really applies, but they did arrest the two guys who did it. Yeah. Um, yeah there's also, as I mentioned, a Tam Bing Man cameo, and he was there. I wasn't really sure. I guess was he part of the deal? Or was he, because he's like sitting in the room when they're talking about the big bad and Michael's there talking about the deal, but he never kind of, sh- he never shows up again. So it was just like a, a bit of fan service for the most part. It was uh, like a cameo. Actually, the other guy in that scene was the, the mainland Chinese boss behind yeah. the company that invested in the film. Yeah. So, so yeah, that was, this is a short little scene to show how how you know deals that he's working on and whatever on us i don't think this real any like it's uh, yeah just a couple of head scratching moments as to uh, for me as to uh, you know certain characters and 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 their presence and their role um but overall i did enjoy the film by the end i was kind of interested to see how things panned out uh, you know what what was going to happen with the characters and who was going to end up where but I didn't really think that it was an overly memorable or wild ride. Uh, in particular, I mean, I, this won't go down in the history books, I think, as one of the Ringo Lamb films that I would return very often to, especially com- considering some of his earlier work. The opening and closing narration, as I mentioned, is a bit heavy-handed in the, the discussion of greed that we hear from, from Louis Koo. And I kept thinking to myself... I think that they could have gotten away from the narration, that they could have used visual methods to show us that. And I've, you know, back in my film school days, my teachers always harped on the ideas of show, don't tell, right? They were very much against narration. I know that's an aesthetic choice and not every uh, teacher and not every person who practices a film out there is against narration. But I always appreciate it when we can get much more visual cues rather than somebody explaining, you know, what we're seeing, why that young girl is walking around with that old tycoon and, you know, what what the guy is selling drugs and the prostitutes on the streets are doing. Um, I've always kind of appreciated, you know, the visual narratives much more so than uh, being spoken to. But overall, I'd say if you really like the leads, definitely see this when you get a chance uh it does it's not gonna may not leave a deep impression on you uh, as it didn't on me but there are some nice character moments and i think that the overall city composition the look of the city that they capture in this film uh is very nice and makes it worth your time kevin did you uh did you have any thoughts on this in terms of the overall scope of uh director lamb's work uh you know it's been a long wait for him to come back, and uh, I think Kozo, uh, our friend Kozo from 
Love HK film says it best that the film feels like the beginning of of Ringo Lamb returning to do something better. Mm. Um, that I hope this sort of is warm up. That is just kind of warming up after having this long time away from writing and, and directing. Um, and and um, it's kind of a warm up to something that's better in the in the future. Even if it's not his next film, then hopefully the film after that. Um, but at least you know I hope that he is working regularly again, so that he's sort of back in his element uh, once he sort of get used to working in this new Hong Kong cinema environment. Uh, you know the, the days, you know the world of co productions and 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 uh, big budget filmmaking and all that stuff. No more, you know. It's not like Hong Kong, oh Hong Kong anymore, where you have to make something you know for twenty, thirty Hong Kong million, uh, million dollars, Hong Kong dollars. Now it's, we're talking about like a hundred million RMB budget, right? And this this film had a pretty big budget, uh, I think about seventy or eighty million. So, so clearly kind of a bigger budget that he's used to working in Hong Kong. I hope this is a warm up to mm. to to something better in the future. Yeah, indeed. Although I, you know, I. I know a lot of people were down on it, but uh, I enjoyed looking for Mr. Perfect. I, I kind of liked it, man. You know, and uh, singing flowers and everything, right? Yeah, I kind of liked it. <laughs> I kind of dug it. Um, but that's just me. Any idea on how the film's doing so far? I mean, I know it's gotten some screenings overseas already, but how is it doing locally? Is it uh, is it uh, looking like it's heading for success, or do you think it's uh, going to struggle? It, it, it struggled. Um, it was fourth place behind, you know, Pixels and Hitman, and um, I think in the end it, it, it won't even pass ten million. Um, unfortunately, it did sort of respectable business in China, um, but in the end the film will lose some money. Um, it, it was just a hard film to sell, I guess, in this day and age. I mean, it is. I, I kind of brought it up with um, a discussion with other people, but I think Louis Koo is as good as his co-star, uh, which means that Louis Koo is going to be in like eight, nine movies a year. I think Hong Kong audience have accepted that, and they sort of, that means they don't have to watch every damn Louis Koo movie that's out, which means what Louis Koo is surrounded with more import, matters more than having Louis Koo. For example, people here don't know Amber Quo or they don't really want to see Amber Quo. They don't really care to see Amber Quo. That's why Paris Hall, they flopped very, very badly. Um, and he, while City, while Louis Koo is not really a draw anymore, so they try to use Ringo Lamb as a draw, but Ringo Lamb only really matters to us, you know, fans of 90, 80s and 90s or uh, Hong Kong cinema. Um, so it, it was always going to be a bit of a tough sell here in Hong Kong but um you know for what it is it's going to do it's going to do okay but no it, it definitely is not counted as a, as a hit here in Hong Kong mm. I'm afraid and what about Tong Li Ya I mean she's not is she there primarily for the to, to fit into the mainland she's not a huge star right I mean she's not uh She's a big name in China. She's yeah. a big name in China because of TV and Beijing Love Story, and and uh, she was also in Taking of Tiger Mountain. So she's definitely getting her name out there. Uh, it's becoming a very big star, um, and you know she is the so-called China quota artist because to get the co-production status in China, you have to have you know Chinese actors, mainland Chinese actors. So that that was kind of filling the 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 quota there. But um, no, Tong Liya is. Tony, I, I Tony is fine. Um, she's not a terrible actress, and I liked her in uh, Beijing Love Story, and she was fine in Taking of Tiger Mountain. So I had no problem with her in this film. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's just, I guess for me, once the 
uh, as I said once, the, they got on screen with um, Yun Chu. I, I saw a different movie there. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I saw I saw uh, like a comedic family rom drom of some sort in the making, and I guess I wanted to see more of that. Maybe for, uh, she maybe she is the, the femme fatale. <laughs> she, she is the femme fatale. I mean, Tony Ya, not not Yuan Chu, but yes. uh, yeah, yeah. She, she, <laughs> so Tony Ya is the femme fatale, and I think she sort of filled that role. All right. I mean, um, yeah. I don't. I can't imagine a Hong Kong plus the character. They they rewrote the character to make her fit as a Chinese to make her role as a mainlander kind of fit in anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's fine. You're listening to the East Screen West Screen podcast. Visit Kongcast.com for more. And you have been listening to the East Screen, West Screen podcast. If you would like to be part of the show, you can get in touch with us via the website at Kongcast.com. Uh, you can also follow us over on Twitter, twitter.com slash Kongcast, or you can email us at eastscreen at gmail.com. We are also over on Facebook at East S West S. Look us up there, leave us some comments, drop us some feedback, tell us what you thought of Wild City. We would love to hear from you. Kevin? What are you up to? Where can people find out more about what you're doing? You can still read my daily news updates on uh, www.filmbiz.asia. That's Film Business Asia. Uh, that's our news site. Um, I can be reached at Kevin at filmbiz.asia. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at The Golden Rock. That's one word, The Golden Rock. Um, yeah, um, I. if you're flying Cathay Pacific or Dragonair in October, you see me and uh, the uh, in-flight magazine Silk Road or Discovery um, yeah I'm in the back towards the entertainment section um, that's it yeah and I think once uh, once once your writing starts rolling out there well, I think we'll uh, talk with you a little bit more in depth about uh, how that's going and what that's like I think people would be interested to hear sure a little bit more about that uh, next show episode 172 so uh, I know I put out a preliminary schedule uh, a couple weeks ago, and I posted it over on Facebook, but I think I'm going to call an audible and uh, maybe switch things out a little bit. So I think the undercover duet was listed at next, but I might go for the Carrie M. knock-knock uh, horror film because I think that's a little more up my alley, and I'm a big fan of Carrie M. So it'll be either that or... Uh, undercover duet for episode 172 at least that's the plan so all of that and more on our next show until then this is the east screen west screen podcast saying happy anniversary and happy birthday and we'll see you next time thank you guys for last six years and i guess the last 30 something years um see you guys next week